Brad Levine is the director of Free BYU, a group whose mission is to, quote, promote freedom of thought and freedom of religion at Brigham Young University. We'll talk about where BYU is falling short on that, the specific problems Brad is trying to solve, and the latest news on BYU's position. The reason I was really interested in talking to him is because I had no idea any of this was going on at BYU. And so, Brad, uh, before we get into your group specifically, can you kind of walk us through BYU's old policy as it relates to students of different faiths? Because I always thought this was a Mormon-only school, and I only recently learned, like, no, there are non-Mormons who go there, too. Yeah, I would be happy to, and that's a pretty common conception, since it is sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for Mormons. A lot of people think that uh, only Mormons attend as students and, and are professors, but the reality is a little more complicated. There are several hundred students. Uh, I think they have about, what, 30,000 full-time students, uh, and, and there's a few hundred at any given time that are that are not Mormon that are there. So you have a mix of Baptists, Catholics, uh, Muslims, and other faiths represented. And do these students get the same treatment as everybody else, or is there a difference in the way they are treated if they are non-Mormons? Yeah, so there, there are some similarities and some differences. One of the key differences is tuition. So non-LDS students uh, pay about double of what LDS students do. Um, both students are, are heavily subsidized, of course, the non-LDS uh, somewhat less so. There's a similarity in that both populations, non-LDS and LDS, are expected to obey and uphold the honor code, um, which we'll get into some detail on. It does apply a little differently to Mormons and non-Mormons. Um, for instance, if you're Mormon, you're expected to go to uh, Mormon church services, attend church, and uh, have a calling and be active in your local congregation called a ward. Uh, Non-LDS people are expected, if they are, to have religion to attend their own services and to um, get what's called ecclesiastical endorsement from their pastor or minister. And uh, there's some other differences as well, specifically with respect to religious freedom, which is a big thing that uh, Free BYU's primary mission. If you're non-LDS, you can convert, uh, meaning you know, you're Baptist and you want to become Mormon, or you're Baptist and you want to become Catholic. Um, you're free to do that. Um, there's a, the population of Mormons, though, which is about 98% of the student body, is not free to convert, however. Um, and they're subject to expulsion, termination, and eviction if they change their faith. So just to reiterate that, because this is what really blew my mind here, if you're a Catholic student at BYU and you decide to become an atheist, no one cares. Like, that's totally fine. You can continue being a student as usual. But if you're a Mormon and you decide to become a non-Mormon, now you're screwed. That's basically the deal. You got it. Okay. That's the disparity we're trying to remedy. Okay, so let's say you are, I mean, here's what I don't get about this. A college is supposed to be the place where you have this freedom to question your beliefs and challenge yourself. And this policy seems to say you you should, you know, expand your mind, learn all these things. But if you change your mind about this particular issue, uh, we have a problem. And it's not just that. It's that if you're a Mormon and you become, let's say, Catholic, you don't get treated the same as Catholic students who were there to begin with. So what happens if you are a Mormon student who becomes Catholic or atheist or anything that's not Mormon? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the short answer is they can can be expelled from school, uh, so they can be dismissed from their academic programs, they can be evicted from their homes if they have BYU-contracted housing, and they can be terminated from their on-campus jobs. Um, That's the, the short answer there. Have they always been like this? 
Uh, no, actually, the it's called the disaffiliation policy, and it was instituted in 1993. Uh, the board of trustees for BYU is the decision maker on honor code content, and that's when they in- introduced this policy. Okay, so how many students have been kicked out? Do you have any idea as a result of this policy? We don't know. Yeah, it's uh, students have the right under under the law called FERPA to see their own records, um, like for instance the honor code file, and we have an interesting story about that as well as it relates to intellectual freedom. Um, but we we as an organization and people that are outside the university and that aren't directly affected don't know. Uh, BYU doesn't publish these statistics, um, and as far as I know, they're the only people, well, the only only group that would know that figure. Okay, so how did your group come into being? Why is this such an issue to tackle now when it's been around for, I guess, what, more than two decades then, like you said? Yeah, and uh, I, it would make sense for this organization to be older than it is. Again, as you mentioned, uh, the problem is at least a couple decades old. Uh, we came together, we're mostly a group of uh, former, of BYU graduates, of alumni. I myself am a triple alum from BYU, some of my uh, peers are um, graduate or undergraduate um, alumni from BYU as well. And we grouped together a few years ago when we realized several of us uh, were interested in, in re- advocating for reform of this policy and had been affected by it and uh, decided to uh, you know, form a group and be a little bit more structured about how we went about it. Okay, so how do you, how, what does your group want? What are your biggest concerns? What are your biggest demands here? Yeah, so our, our mission statement is, is about uh, you know, establishing religious and academic freedom at BYU. Um, most directly, we are advocating for specific honor code reforms. So right now, it's an aspect of the honor code that uh, students who disaffiliate, um, uh, which is disapplies to Mormon students that uh, resign from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they automatically lose their good honor code standing, um, which means they can't enroll in classes, they can't register, they they can't uh, graduate. If they've already graduated, they can't receive their otherwise earned diploma. All these are automatic consequences of uh, changing your affiliation from, from Mormon to uh, something else. And so one of our, you know, our key reform would be to have that clause uh, taken out. And we, we're asking that um, students that do change their religious affiliation that are Mormon be treated just like every other non-LDS student at BYU. You know, pay the, pay the higher tuition, you still need to obey the honor code, but no, all other ways... You know, a Catholic should be treated as a Catholic regardless of whether that Catholic used to be Mormon. Um, and we really think that's more in line with LDS principles as well that uh, claim the privilege. They have an important article of faith that says, we claim the privilege of worshiping God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men that same privilege, let them worship how, where, or what they may. And so that's our, our key reform is to honor that article of faith and, and let people worship freely and have their religious affiliations declared without risking expulsion, termination, and eviction. So you're asking BYU to be more Mormon. <laughs> yes, that's okay. exactly what we're doing. And the, let's say again, using Catholic uh, Catholicism as an example, if a student entered BYU as a Mormon and then converted to Catholicism somewhere uh, during their school career, would it be okay? Do you think that student would be okay saying, you know what, I'm not part of the LDS church anymore? And so, you know what, I will pay double the tuition or whatever it is and deal, just be treated like a Catholic without the perks and privileges of being a Mormon. Do you think most students who are affected by that would be okay with that? They'd be understanding of that? Or would they just lie and say they're a Mormon to get all the perks of being a Mormon? Yeah, so it's... uh it's a little bit hard to predict since, uh, you know, that hasn't been the case. We don't know if, if students have really been 
presented with that with that opportunity, um, judging by you know asking them what would you do in this situation, we do have several that said, yeah, I'd be more than happy to pay the non-LDS tuition if I could be honest about my beliefs. Um, but far and away right now, the status quo is students that uh, doubt or no longer believe in Mormonism or convert to other faiths, they hide it. You know, we have well-documented examples of um, folks that are Mormon that converted to, say, Catholicism and Islam. We had a very, um, I guess, kind of heartbreaking example a couple years ago of a student that converted to Islam and had to hide his daily prayers from his roommates and try to worship and follow five pillars of Islam without people around him knowing. Um, it was just a huge burden on, on him in terms of his mental health. But uh, I do think that, you know, some of them probably would uh, would still prefer um, to, to fake it. But I think that most people from that what we've talked to would be willing to just be treated like every other non-LDS student on campus. Now, there's another issue here, which is that uh, dealing with the law school at BYU and accreditation for both BYU as a campus and specifically the law school. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So... The American Bar Association accredits law schools uh, in the U.S., including the um, J. Rubin Clark Law School. It's the BYU Law School. And one of their um, accreditation standards, uh, number 205, deals with non-discrimination. And it prohibits law schools from, as you would expect, discriminating on the basis of race, uh, sex, nationality, uh, religion, sexual orientation, etc. Now, they have an interesting carve-out with respect to only admissions, um, that uh, a school can have uh, express a preference for uh, on the basis of religion as long as they don't preclude admission on that basis. And it's you know it's a typical uh, kind of lawyering um, debate about what exactly that means. There have been a number of scholars that have pointed out, including Douglas Laycock, who's a uh, well-known um, scholar with religious exercise law. He termed it a circumlocution um, to try to understand what that really means. So. Long story short, we filed an accreditation complaint um, pointing to the honor code. Um, now, all BYU law students are subject to the honor code. Uh, students at BYU, regardless of their graduate program, undergraduate program, are all subject to the honor code. Under the accreditation rules, you know, if the law students are subject to some sort of campus-wide policy like the honor code, then that honor code has to comply with the accreditation standards. So we pointed out the honor code is uh, it discriminates explicitly on the basis of religion. It says right there that you lose your honor code standing if you disaffiliate, of course, conversion is, is a primary expression of religious freedom. I think uh, United Na- Universal Declaration on Human Rights, Article 18, explicitly says, uh, you know, changing your religion from you know, affiliation A to affiliation B, is that's like the core of religious freedom, is being able to you know, express your religious affiliation. So the honor code explicitly burdens that. There's also um, a burden on academic freedoms and also with respect to sexual orientation because there's a homosexual behavior clause. Anyway, so we wrapped it all up. We documented both that the policy is there as well as that it happens in practice because we have people that are excluded. There's a well-known published example there of a student who used to be Mormon, converted to Catholicism, applied to law school as a Catholic, was accepted as a Catholic. The law school said, hey, withdraw your applications to these other law schools since you've been accepted here. He did so then the law school discovered that he used to be Mormon and withdrew his admission, which just left this guy completely out of the water. Um, with Since he'd already withdrawn his admissions to other law schools, and BYU withdrew their admission, he was just like, he was stuck. And it was a really, really bad situation for him. And it's, it's an example of the injustices that, that result from this disaffiliation policy. That is horrible. So... In this case, I mean, if the American Bar Association says we're taking away your accreditation, 
that means all of these law degrees that students earn at BYU would basically be useless. They, they couldn't apply anywhere. So it's up. I mean, BYU has a uh, obligation really to the students and to themselves to make sure they are accredited. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't think it would apply like in a retroactive expense. And these accreditation challenges, they typically take years, uh, sometimes years and years to to resolve and that type of thing. But yeah, the consequences in an accreditation removal scenario would be would be dire for the law school. Um, so, so what happened with this thing? You send the ABA this information that BYU is basically breaking the rules when it comes to what it takes to be accredited. So what happened? Yeah. Have you heard anything? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've... we've uh, uh, gosh, it's been about a year. So, first, you're required um, if you want to submit a accreditation complaint, you have to bring your complaint up with the law school directly first, um, which is a different rule than um, BYU as a general campus because we did an accreditation challenge there as well. Uh, pretty similar processes in a lot of ways, but that's a little different. You have to come directly to um, to the school first. So, last summer we sent our complaint about the non-compliance with the standards and the discrimination from based on the honor code to the law school. Um, and the law school replied in a few weeks and said, you know, we're not going to do anything. We think we're compliant. We're not going to change anything. You know, goodbye. So armed with that, we could take the next step, which is to file a formal complaint with the American Bar Association, which we did a few months later. So the ABA uh, re- replied and said, hey, we got this. Um, and then they have to make a decision about whether or not on the face of it, the complaint, you know, raises non-compliance issues. And if, it, if the answer to that question is no, then they just close the matter and say, you know, you haven't really brought up anything that would concern us. We're not going to do anything. Uh, the other option is if they do think it might raise a, an issue, then they'll ask the law school to respond. So the ABA, they read through the complaint. And they said, yes, you know, this, this does raise concerns. So they sent a request um, to, the a, to BYU Law to respond to our complaint, which, which BYU Law did. Uh, then the ABA reviewed that for a while, and they have another chance at that point to to close the complaint. Say, hey, you know, the law school got back to us, and based on what the law school is telling us, um, we don't think there's a non-compliance issue, so we're going to close this. If they do think that even after reading the response from the law school, there's still a problem, then they escalate it to a group called the Accreditation Committee within the ABA. So there are basically two hurdles before you get to this group called the Accreditation Committee, and I won't go on too much longer, but suffice to say, the complaint cleared the first two hurdles and made it to a committee, and then the committee decided um, that no further action was merited and closed closed the complaint. And there's no higher court to go to at this point about that? Yeah. Yeah, You could theoretically escalate via grievance to the Department of Education, and the ABA is actually in a little trouble with the uh, Department of Education, who um, has, has sanctioned them, and uh, they have some hot water there. But um, we don't plan to do this at this time. There's not much of a robust appeals process there. In any case, uh, as I don't know if we're going to mention this more later, but BYU did make a change to the honor code um, Yeah, so November. let's talk about that, because this this only came up this past week even though this change happened in November. So what happened there, and why did I only find out about this now? Yeah, so BYU did make a change in November 2015. They made several changes, actually, to the honor code. And it was to the specific uh, clause that has to do with um, applications for exceptions. So let's say you're a Mormon student and uh, you resign from the church. You can ask BYU to let you stay anyway. Um, and they have specific uh, kind of requirements. And under the old language, they said you'd have to prove and persuade the dean of students that you have extenuating circumstances and unusual circumstances. Now, we had mentioned in our complaint, amongst many other things, that that doesn't have any meaning to a student. Like, okay, so what's an exceptional circumstance? And, and how do I convince you? 
Um, and there was really no guidance to that. So the student doesn't have any, any good reason to think that they might get an exception. And there's no reason that it couldn't be completely arbitrary um, whether and when the dean would grant such exceptions since there are no criteria that are stated. Well, they changed that. Um, they took the extenuating circumstances and the unusual circumstances out. Um, they added a couple lines at the very bottom of the R code. They added um, a sentence that talked about how if you're an applicant to BYU and you're a former Mormon, um, that there is a way you can apply for an exception. Um, such Because usually, by default, you, you can't come in. You can't be accepted at BYU they don't as like an applicant apostates. if you're a former Mormon. Yeah. You know, former Mormons, as it says in the honor code, they're not eligible for an ecclesiastical endorsement, which is required to have good honor code standing, which is required to enroll, register, graduate, and get your diploma. So, But, but Catholics um, and Muslims and atheists who go to BYU could still fall under that, even if they were not Mormons to begin with, I mean. Exactly. Okay. It all depends on if you're ever former Mormon. So the, um, the rankings can, as it, the rankings are like Mormons are at the top. Anything but Mormon is next. But ex-Mormons are like a subcategory that is or a, a, a category that's even lower than that. Yeah, that's a good description. OK, so all their changes related to this group of, of former Mormons. So they, they add this clause that says, you know, theoretically, uh, an ex-Mormon could be accepted, which, by the way, may have been the core change that um, resulted in the ABA deciding not to take further action, because that was probably our strongest argument with respect to compliance with the standards, mm -hmm. is that BYU law was precluding admission to ex-Mormons, saying, just because of the mere fact of your religious affiliation that you used to be Mormon, were, you're not eligible to be accepted. And that's still practically the case. Um, and we're probably not going to get into the details because it's really nitty-gritty, but that exception process for applicants it doesn't look like it could really ever happen um, or would ever, really ever occur in real life. But in theory, it could. It is on uh, in their policy, and that's probably, that may have been what allowed them to get that decision from the ABA. But the other changes um, applied to applying for an exception when you're a current student. So if you become former Mormon while you're there, you can apply for this exception. In the old world, you'd have to sign away your um, penitent privilege or, or your ecclesiastical privilege. Basically, you know, if you confess your sins to your bishop and you're Mormon, you had to sign a piece of paper that says, you can open up um, all the things that I confess to my bishop and the bishop can tell you about them. So you have to forfeit that confidentiality, which is, of course, just a terrible, terrible uh, ethically policy to require someone to um, sign away their confessional privilege. Uh, so they did away with that clause, which we think is an improvement. Um, and they also made it clear uh, at least one of the criteria to be able to qualify for one of these exceptions, and that is that you obey the honor code. And what's Very in this honor code? What's in this honor code now? So the, the honor code is this, this lengthy doc. It talks about you know, not smoking, not drinking, not having premarital sex, um, not acting gay if you're gay. And uh, not visiting after hours. It's got a lot of details with respect to dress and grooming. When you, you say know, not um, acting gay, what do you mean? Like not holding hands with your partner, not like PDA with your partner? Or like, is there anything specific about that? There is. And that's been a big part of the controversy with, uh, I don't know if you've followed it at all, the Big 12. So there's a football conference that's considering adding BYU. But there's a big controversy because of the homosexual behavior part of the honor code. Because... That part of the honor code says um, it violates the honor code to have any behavior that gives expression to homosexual feelings. So, you know, if you're dating a same-sex partner and you, you know, kiss or snuggle or hold hands, then that's a violation of the honor code. So I've seen you know, football games where, like, a player proposed to his cheerleader girlfriend after they won a big game. That's okay, uh, 
But if a quarterback like kissed his boyfriend after a game at BYU or something, BYU could punish the student. And the, the argument to the Big 12 is they shouldn't be allowed to punish the student. And by accepting them into the conference, you're condoning that sort of bigotry. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the Big 12, they have non-discrimination protections and BYU targets uh, gay students and punishes them for, you know, things like same-sex dating or holding hands. And so it's completely um, separate double standard relative to heterosexuals versus straights at BYU. So Okay. So back to the back to the honor code. So yeah. the honor code says you can't basically be gay in public or at least act, uh, uh, do any actions that show you're gay, such as holding hands, kissing your partner, anything that straight couples do on college campuses regularly. Um, and all yeah, of these things, private, private too, you can't right. do it in public or private. Right. I mean, any, any sort of behavior would be a violation. And any students who go to BYU, whether they are Mormon or non-Mormon abide by these rules. That's right. Okay. So, uh, what's going on with the honor code now? So they changed the honor code, like you said, back in November, how can we yep. only learned about this now? So uh, Free BYU, we'd, we'd recognize when they added that sentence at the end um, relative to the exceptions for applicants. Um, and, uh, you know, I've looked online. I haven't noticed anybody else really picked up on these changes. Um, typically, BYU doesn't publish. I mean, they publish them in the sense that they're available if you go to the honor code statement, but they don't, like, make a press release or a news about it. Uh, I think the most recent change before this one was back in end of 2010 when they took out a, a clause that said it, it violates the honor code to advocate for the morality of homosexual behavior, which uh, on a different story may have saved my bacon at the time since I had written a book on um, homosexuality and, and gay marriage at the time. But that that change wasn't announced either. Um, there was at that time a newspaper, Q Salt Lake, that had picked up on it and uh, included it in an article that, hey, BYU's changed its honor code. Before that, by the way, I think the previous change was in 2007, also related to homosexuality. But these these changes they aren't they aren't published in like a, a kind of a press release. So the changes are done pretty quietly, and unless people are watching really closely, they don't pick up on them. And this particular clause, because it doesn't apply to most people, it's this like application for exception process, and it's got this kind of obtuse language. Most people kind of gloss over it if they read the honor code at all, which I don't think a lot of people do. Nobody nobody picked up on, picked up on it is the main reason. Okay, so what's the status now? What what are you guys... I mean, you tried going after the accreditation. That didn't work for the law school anyway. They made some changes, like you said, that you like with the honor code, uh, but it yeah. doesn't go all the way. What are the big things you're, you're hoping for at this point? Uh, so, as I mentioned before, we still want that uh, clause taken out of the honor code that uh, you know, makes you guilty until proven innocent, where if you disaffiliate, you automatically lose good honor code standing. Uh, disaffiliation should not be an honor code issue. Affiliation should not be an honor code issue. I mean, it states in the honor code explicitly that your stated sexual orientation is not an honor code issue. It should say the same thing about your religious affiliation. Um, and really to be true to our article of faith and you know the way that LDS leaders have construed religious freedom as a human right over the decades and centuries, we really need to you know stand behind that and honor it in practice and not just preach it that it doesn't matter, you know, if you go from religion A to religion B or religion B to nothing. Like, religious freedom means that you don't lose your job, your housing, and your academic prog- you know, progress as a result of your stating your religious beliefs and your religious affiliation. So that clause has, has got to go. It would be even better to have an affirmative statement that says, you know, your religious affiliation is and beliefs are not an honor code issue. Um, but procedurally, 
you know, it needs to put the balance in favor of, of the student who disaffiliates. You know, they need to be able to fill out a form that says, you know, I don't believe anymore. I'm not Mormon anymore. And, uh, you know, start my non-LDS tuition and, and start treating me as a non-LDS student. Right now, there's this cloud of uncertainty, even if students do apply for an exception, which can only happen after you've lost your endorsement, which means, you know, you're screwed unless they grant this application. Right. You're basically confessing that, and, all right, I'm not a Mormon anymore. Can you give me an exception? If they say no, then they know you're not a Mormon, so they can do whatever they want. Right. And, and you know, all the power's in their hands. There's no accountability if huh. they deny these exceptions. And, you know, it, there's still all this interpretation on what does it mean to obey the honor code? Okay. The honor code says that if I'm LDS, I have to go to church services. Well, I don't identify as LDS anymore, but what if they haven't like formally resigned and the, the church still considers them a member, even though they don't consider themselves a member? I mean, who controls the religious identity of the individual? I mean, you, me, and most people would say, you know, the individual controls their own identity, religious identity, but, you know, arguably the, the, the folks at BYU don't. They might say, well, you know, you're still on our records, and we get to decide if you're Mormon, and so you need to be going to church services, and if you're not, that means you're not obeying the honor code, so we're not going to give you this exception. I mean, this is so just all these questions that aren't answered, so the student really doesn't know what they can safely do, and if they happen to fall afoul of, you know, whatever the standard is, then they can be evicted, terminated, and expelled, and that's just a huge impact. So unsurprisingly, you know, most of them, again, they just fake it because there's so much fear and uncertainty that they, they can't be honest and authentic about their religious beliefs. This is so unnecessarily complicated. How does the school view free BYU? Are you guys, are you guys all graduates of BYU, the, the ones volunteering with this organization? Um, and do they, um, do they not like you? <laughs> like, have you heard from BYU officials? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, most of us are, are alumni. There are others that are um, uh, friends, uh, parents, current students, and uh, you know, people of different you know, religious persuasions and, and beliefs. Um, with respect to you know BYU's uh, attitude towards us, you know, we haven't had a lot of direct communication. We had a response from the Church Educational System Commissioner uh, when we sent a formal letter to the BYU board a couple years back. Didn't really say anything except that, hey, I got your letter and I'm, I'm passing it around to people. Um, Carrie Jenkins certainly has had a lot of statements about uh, Free BYU and responding to press inquiries. Um, mostly, uh, they've seemed to uh, uh, be somewhat critical and dismissive of both our organization and our aims. Um, they, they talked about how the complaint, uh, they claimed that the complaint had no bearing on the honor code changes that were done in November, which is, as a number <laughs> of um, journalists have pointed out, is a uh, pretty hard to believe. Yeah, um, they basically said, oh yeah, we made the change to the honor code, but it's not because of all the pressure you guys put on us. It was just totally coincidental. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure it was. We have, yeah, right. We have, we have an op-ed on that uh, at our, our blog from one of our members, and Jenna Reese at Religion News Service um, has, a, has a piece on that uh, claim as well. But She didn't buy um, it either. <laughs> yeah. And mostly they've responded like to the accreditation complaints to say, hey, you know, we're in, we're in compliance with the accreditation things, with the standards and stuff. And so far the accreditors have, have agreed with them, um, so you have to give them that. But it kind of misses the point, really, which is, you know, there's all these, these I guess, impositions of, of mental health harms on people that don't deserve them. They just have different religious beliefs. Uh, and, you know, those who are really believe strongly in the human right of, of religious freedom, as I think most, most Mormons do, would say, hey, you know, like, let's let's take that off the table that people can be evicted, terminated, and expelled at an accredited university just for their religious beliefs. I mean, 
uh, it just doesn't make sense at a credit university for that to be the case. And it definitely doesn't make sense at a Mormon university that has such a strong understanding and a long you know, advocacy and history of defending religious freedom. Yeah, for the life of me, I cannot get behind the fact that even for a religious university, they're basically telling students, you know, you're here at school, we want you to learn and think critically, but not too critically, because if you change your mind, we're going to punish you for it. I mean, that, that just makes yeah. no sense. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely hear that. There, there was a professor last October, Dr. Wergensmeyer, who was scheduled to speak at our religious freedom conference uh, on the campus of BYU. And we reached out to him and a number of others and told him about the policy there, and he boycotted the conference. And that's what you're saying is almost exactly what he said. He's like, an accredited university, regardless of who sponsors it, if it's public, if it's sponsored by a church or some other private organization, accreditation has to mean something. I mean, these these degrees are recognized by employers and people across the country. It's not like a seminary where you're just recognized by other religious groups. You know, any employer is going to take your degree from BYU and use it when they when, you know decide whether to hire you. And that means that the accreditation needs to mean something. And it needs to mean that there's a certain amount of, you know, intellectual or religious academic freedom of inquiry. And that, you know, if you have different beliefs than the people who are running the school, it's not really meeting the accreditation standard and what a public institution of accreditation really means and does if you're not free to come to, you know, different conclusions in terms of, of your intellectual freedom. And you know, he took a pretty strong stand there and boycotted the conference and said, hmm. you know, this is just contrary to what an accredited university yeah. is. Absolutely. Good for him. All right. One last question for you. Is there any compromise at this point you'd be satisfied with? Or is it kind of an all or nothing thing? They need to get rid of this uh, crazy rule that says you can't become a non-Mormon. Otherwise, you're screwed. Well, I mean, I think what we're asking for already is a compromise. I think the, the hard position would be... Um, People should be free to change their affiliation and have no consequences. I think what we're advocating for is that, no, they, they should pay non-LDS tuition just like the other non-LDS people there. We recognize that that's a difference of treatment, um, but we still think they should obey the honor code and uh, be treated just like any other non-LDS student. So I think what we're advocating already kind of is, is the compromise position. Well, uh, Brad Levine, he's the director of Free BYU. Uh, Their website is freebyu.org, and we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. Appreciate it. Absolutely.